In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are joined today by our week eight guest picker, Brett Gibbons. Brett, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, Seth. Really excited to be on, get picking these games and chatting a little bit. Yeah, so Brett, the reason we wanted to have you on is I think you have a, a fun story. Uh, the reason that, that I had started following you was because of your journey to so many different CFB football stadium. So uh, tell us a little bit about that journey. I think last count, what is 107? Am I right about that? Yeah, 107. So it's called Road to CFB. It's something I started about five years ago. I uh, was visiting college football stadiums, thought it was great, but the empty nature of the stadiums just wasn't enough. Uh, and, and I really wanted to get out there and experience them because with 131 teams in the FBS, that's 131 different communities. Uh, 131,000 different traditions, uh, you know, and 131 different communities of people to meet uh, and, and mingle with. So, uh, yeah, I, I do it all the time. Kind of, there's a there's a few of us doing that. It's very it's a difficult thing, right? Like going yeah. to Boone, North Carolina, going to Lubbock, Texas, Starkville, Mississippi. Like you don't just fly into those places. You have to get there. Right. So there's a, there's a few of us doing it. Um, some much longer and much further along than than me. Uh, but my kind of I guess deal with it is I drive everywhere. Um, it's called road to CFB. I'm based out of Cleveland, Ohio, but I'm going to have to drive to Seattle, Washington to see the Huskies play. I mean, I have to drive to Los Angeles to see, you know, UCLA and USC play. So I've been doing it for a while. It's, it's a, it's a uh, really, really rewarding thing. A lot of fun, met a lot of really cool people through it. Um, yeah. And, and I've, I've kind of been doing that ever since. Now, have you been to Athens? I have. Yeah. I was there for, uh, the Georgia G day back in 2018 coming off of the national championship appearance where it was uh, Jake Fromm and Justin Fields are battling it out uh, before yeah. fields transferred ultimately to Ohio state. So yes, I have uh, Sanford stadium, great place, Athens, terrific college town. I went with some of my buddies. So, you know, we went out on the town after, after all, um, I need to go back though, to see uh, a show played uh, in the Georgia theater. Well, come tell us when you do it and we'll try and arrange it. And we'll go with you and we'll kind of, we'll kind of lead the way for it. How about that? Absolutely. That, that sounds great. Yeah, I need to come back for an SEC game. Uh, the, the G day was a lot of fun. Uh, it was kind of cool to be there with, I, I think they had the second most people at that one of any yeah. uh, in the country with like 82,000 people, but I need to come back for a little bit more of a hostile environment. I want to see how they, you know, greet a, a Tennessee or a greet a Kentucky. Yeah, the uh, November fifth, Tennessee's coming to town, which is is a big switch. You know, Ooh. it used to be used to be Georgia played Auburn in November, and you played Tennessee in October, and that all got flipped around with some of the the schedule maneuvering with the SEC. So, so it's going to be awesome this year, right? Because they're both yeah, gonna that, that worked hopefully, out. <laughs> hopefully, be undefeated and be a monster yeah. game. But yeah, it's going to be bananas at that stadium that night. Um, so, tell me this: what if if you had to, if somebody was putting your feet to the coals, what would be your top three? Maybe we should do it this way. What are your three favorite stadiums? And then I'm going to ask you, what are your three favorite college towns that you've been to? Because I don't know if those two are, are mutually exclusive. 
Uh, no, they're 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 completely different. And, and I, I appreciate the question of, you know, what are your top three? Because one of the things I always talk about is like, oh, what's your favorite? Well, I don't have a favorite. I've I've a lot of favorites. Um yeah. I'm so I'm so sorry to your fan base. I'm I'm gonna jump out here. LSU is in is in a tier up there by itself, just an incredible game day atmosphere. Um, in terms of stadium, so so probably LSU. Texas A&M is ridiculous. Their, their stadium yeah. environment is ridiculous. And um, I'm, I'm born and raised an Ohio state fan. That that's who I root for, but Michigan stadium <laughs> on what, what, especially when the Buckeyes are in town is the town, the, the, the stadium, the environment is just incredible. So I'm glad you bring some of those up because all three are on our list. We're, we're trying to start now hitting the different SEC road venues. And we've done Knoxville. That was a cool trip. And um, we have done Vanderbilt for Nashville because, I mean, why not? Nashville's an A-plus town, um, which yeah. was essentially – it was like a Georgia JV home game because the capacity yeah, was game. about yeah. half of what Sanford was. <laughs> um, but it was still a good time. And then, um, yeah, I mean – so we haven't been to college station yet. Like they've been in the conference, what, 12 years now. And we have not been right. because of the scheduling nuances. So I think that's one that's on every Georgia fans list is to go there and experience Cal field and that whole experience. And then we just played LSU in Baton Rouge. Let's see, maybe 2018, I think was there and they whooped us. So, um, <laughs> that but that's team. still, that's still on the list. I would love to go there. I heard that that tailgating scene is absolutely bananas. Um, yes. and with Michigan, I, you know, I've heard Ann Arbor's a cool town too. That always shows up on the list, like top 20 college towns and whatnot. So how about that one though? What about your top three college towns? Like if you were just going to visit the college town, where would you go? Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to take, take heat for this because, you know, I, I lived in Austin for a little while. Austin's a great city. It's not a college town, you know, Columbus, Ohio, great city, not a college town. So when I talk about these college towns in my favorites, I'm talking about the small town. Um, Ann Arbor, I'd be remiss not to put Ann Arbor on there. Incredible, incredible place. Uh, I really like Starkville, Stark Vegas. Um, yeah. I, I, do, I do enjoy that as a college town. Um, I'll throw one off the wall. San Marcos, Texas. It's home to Texas State University. Yeah. It is a gorgeous place. It has, uh, it's, it's big attraction is the river and, and people go tubing on it. I lived in, I lived in the city for a year and it's like a 13, 14 foot deep river that you could count the rocks on the bottom because it's so crystal clear because it's spring fed between that, the bar scene, it's proximity to both Austin and San Antonio, two great cities uh, and the, the Texas Hill country. It, if you haven't been there, you don't really know, but if, but if you've been there, it, it is one of the great college towns in the U S I, I really firmly believe that. Oh, I love that. I, that would have never crossed my mind, nor have I ever seen it on any list. So now it's going on the list. We're going to have to make a trip there. I love that. But that's cool. So have to, yes. you mentioned Stark Vegas and you mentioned traveling to places. Georgia plays in Starkville this year in November, the week after they play um, Tennessee at home. Right. My brother and I have been trying to figure out going, but he lives in Charlotte. I live in Charleston. Getting there via, via car for me, I think is nine hours, nine and a half, something like that. And to fly there, really, after you get done everything, <laughs> it's about the same. I mean, you have to fly into either Memphis or Birmingham, and then both are like, what, a two and a half hour drive from Starkville. So like, no simple way to get there. 
And, but yeah, man, I've read that the, like downtown is cool. Like they got an old like cotton road district or something down there or something like that. Is that right? Like cool bars, restaurants, that whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's an sec town. So you get all the benefits of the sec. Um, but it's also so removed. Like you said, you have to fly into Memphis. You have to fly into Birmingham uh, just to get there. It, it's, it's so removed that it's just like this living, breathing, completely self-sustaining city that's not really reliant on other large metro areas um and boy do they have some good barbecue in there they just they do yeah yeah man i'm hoping we can figure that out because again with the way the schedule's set up i have no idea when they're going to go back the way the loops are i'm i'm hoping when texas and oklahoma join they go to this pod system that they talked about because you would get to go i think to every road stadium every quarter so every four years which would be better in in our opinion so yeah well so let's talk about the scene from last weekend and let's lead off with the tennessee alabama game which i don't know about you i know um you are not scared of of looking at some lines and and picking games and when i saw that line i thought you know i get it because it's alabama and tennessee hasn't done anything against ranked opponents in seemingly two decades but it just felt like that number was stealing. Like, cause I saw some places you could get it at plus seven and a half for Tennessee, which I was like, love that. And uh, what a game, right? I mean, nobody could stop anybody. <laughs> and I think Alabama had 17 penalties, which so uncharacteristic yes. of a Nick Saban team following 15 at Texas. So they've got some issues there. This is what I want to ask you about it. Cause obviously Tennessee has been the talk of college football this week. And the question I've asked folks is, was that game more of an endorsement of Tennessee or an indictment of Alabama? Well, it's definitely not an indictment of Alabama. Um, I think this whole season, if you want to call it an indictment, I think indictment is kind of a strong word. But if you want to call this whole season an indictment on Alabama, they're the most penalized team in the country of anybody. And and like you said, that's uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban team. Um, I really think it does speak volumes to Tennessee. Now, so I, I'm, I'm in the betting industry. I, I write about college football betting. That's what I do to help pay my rent. I pose you this question because it's a question that I ask myself following this game to kind of gauge where Tennessee's at. They meet in Atlanta. I, sorry, Georgia fans, cover yours for a second. We're, we're talking about a hypothetical here. They meet in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Knowing what we saw from that game, how much Knoxville helped them win and the fiery energy that the Vols are able to play with. Are you going to bet them to win again against Alabama no. and the SEC? No, me neither. So I that's kind of how I project them for the rest of the year, which is why when the Georgia game comes around, I will not be betting Tennessee. Yeah, I. they're an interesting case study for me because they've got almost lightning in a bottle, I feel like at this point, between their offensive scheme, the way the schedule is set up, Hendon Hooker is playing you have to say he's in the top three in the Heisman race. And people would, I think most people would say after last weekend, he's at the top of the list, even though I certainly think there are arguments for others, but he has just been, I think, transformative for, for them. And it's, um, I think that they just have an opportunity really to capitalize on that and get to Sanford undefeated, but man, that's going to be a tough spot for them to play. And I do wonder with the defenses they've played thus far, you know, Georgia's stop rate, I think, is fifth in the country, and they have a good run defense. And I am interested, you know, Georgia, I think, only has seven sacks on the season. And 
the average time of the ball out is 2.6 seconds in offenses against them. So that's obviously been a schematic choice by, by opposing offensive coordinators. And that's obviously fits right into what Josh Heupel wants to do. You know, I mean, I think somebody called him uh Vroom 2.0. So they were, <laughs> and, and there's some merit to that. I mean, they move, he does a great job with the formations that he does and bunches and, and all these type things. It's going to be interesting because Georgia's secondary, even though you have Chris Smith, who's a veteran there, and Keely Ringo, they're still young. I mean, they got Kamari Lasser playing. They got Malachi Starks, both really, really young. I don't know, man. Plus, Cedric Tillman hadn't played, essentially. So it's going to be real interesting. I did see the line come out early that they'd be a 10.5-point favorite if it was today. Georgia would be. That seems big to me. As a fan, that seems big. Yeah, but. yeah, I, I I don't know though. And, and to to touch on the Cedric Tillman thing, he hasn't played all season, um, but it, it's it's really similar to Ohio State's situation uh, without Jackson Smith and Jigba. It yeah. hasn't made a difference because their quarterback yeah. and their system are so efficient. And I mean, you do think about Hendon Hooker. I mean, he just threw six touchdowns, right? Five or six touchdowns, and five of them went to to, to that one incredible breakout receiver. But at the heart, they're a running football team. They're very good at running the running the football and that's what worries me against Georgia is I'm not building a game plan around trying to run the ball up the middle against Georgia's front I'm just not and and to speak to the point of the the quick ball of the hand that's coaching those these guys are like look at the personnel that you are playing against it's not the Georgia defense last year but they still have nasty pass rushers you know Jalen Carter I get the freaking ball out we're gonna run short short routes we're going to get underneath those young corners because if you're pinning your ears back and you're sending your guys, those corners are going to take a couple of steps off. And again, when you get the ball, it's 1,001, 1,000, 2,000. By, by the time you hit that 1,003, that ball better be out of your hand, but you're going down. Yeah, I think it's just going to be fun. I mean, this is the beauty of college football, right, is we're going to get to see a matchup like that, which is which is incredible. And, you know, it'll most likely be a 330 kick that day, which in some ways is a shame because Sanford at night would be absolutely bananas, which that'll all change with the ESPN deal. But as it's currently stands, that will be the 330 kick that day, unless something weird happens in the next couple of weeks, which I don't really foresee. But, yeah, I do think that's a good point. As a fan, as somebody who follows them, I don't, I don't worry about Georgia's run defense. Like they're going to be fine. And, you know, Jalen Carter hasn't played either. He's essentially played one game and then a half of another game. And hopefully he's back healthy. He's dealing with kind of a sprained MCL right now, but you know, hopefully he's back. But I think the, the, the positive of him being injured is they've gotten all these young guys snaps where they love to play with a rotation on the D line anyways, to keep guys fresh and with how fast offenses move. And so I think it's going to, hopefully give them an advantage once that comes because they're going to they're going to have to rotate people against Tennessee. Tennessee goes too fast not to. Um, but let me ask you this about Tennessee and then we'll, I want to move to something else. But I think the other undersold part of them is their run defense. They do a nice job, which is not how it's been in the past. So and I think that's something that could benefit them against Georgia if they take away the run threat and then say, OK, look, Stetson, you're going to have to beat us. Y'all are going to have to throw it 40 times. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, not not just playing well. They're terrific. They're downright terrific. Going into the Alabama game, they were top 10. I, I have not checked afterward because they're playing UT Martin. I didn't do a brush up <laughs> yeah. on them this week. But going into the Alabama game, they had top 10 marks against the efficiency, against yards per uh, rush attempt and EPA margin and success rate and all these things. 
And like a lot of people think, well, Tennessee can't defend, you know, my grandmother. Well, that's true through the air. And, and we saw it as Alabama was able to move the ball on them. But yeah, I, they're, they're a very good run defense. And that's great because, you know, when you take away a, a team's ability to run, you take away their ability to control the clock. And then Tennessee is just all gas, like keep up. Alabama couldn't keep up. And, you know, if it does get to that point with Georgia where they can take away that run and they find a little bit of success in their own offense, all of a sudden it becomes a keep up. And, you know, can Stetson Bennett and company keep up? So I think that Tennessee-Georgia game is obviously the marquee game to look forward to in the SEC. And I think you also throw Alabama and Ole Miss into that equation. Yes. You know, given Ole Miss taking care of its own business, they got a tough, they got one tomorrow that I think, you know, they got to take care of their business in Death Valley. But I think in the Big Ten side, like it is most every year, everyone is looking forward to the game. And Michigan is obviously a little bit different animal this year. They've got a little bit more, bit more mobility at quarterback had an impressive showing against Penn State last weekend. As you look forward to that game, how do you think that matchup could shake up and go? I'm not that <laughs> excited about it. I'm excited that it is in Columbus, right? Yeah. That that helps a lot. And it looks like Ohio State is almost the most untouchable team in the country. However, every win that they've had has gotten a little bit worse every week. Notre Dame, great win. Oh, it turns out Notre Dame's not really all that good. Uh, right. Wisconsin beat the crap out of them. Oh, well, they fire their coach, you know, two weeks later, Michigan state, what a mess they are, but you know, they're, they're handling their business. So Michigan's going to be physical. John Har or, uh, Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, is going to take the same game plan he had last year and apply it to this year because they might not have Hassan Haskins, but they still have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And Blake Corum, in my opinion, is better than Hassan Haskins. He yeah. is one of the best running backs in the country. He just, I mean, we saw what he could do against Penn state who has their own pretty good run game or uh, run defense, excuse me. And I think it's going to be a, a tough physical thing. I don't know if Michigan's defense is good enough to put the brakes down Ohio state's offense, particularly through the air. They were able to shut Penn state completely down Penn state's offense from what I've seen is pretty bad. Uh, so I, that doesn't impress me as much. Now, don't hear I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that wasn't an impressive win. They kicked the crap out of them at home, handled their business. It was a very impressive win. But I think when you start, I, I mean, Maryland was able to move the ball. Now. So I think right. Ohio State's really going to be able to. It's, you know what? It's the game. It, it have, it's, it's a physical game. It's a nasty game. These teams hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. And uh, I'm just a little bit nervous about it. Just a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I. I, I do think your point is well taken, though, that it being in Columbus matters a lot. Yes, I think home field in college football is such a big deal, and especially in big rivalry matchups like that. Um, I also just think that in some ways, and you tell me if this is real or not, Ohio State has owned that rivalry for oh, so yeah. long. Oh, yeah. And I, I do think in some ways there's a little bit of, oh, well, it's Michigan. Like, they're going to screw this up somehow. Like, we'll walk in here and dust them because that's what we do. And Michigan was – they were loaded for bear, right? I mean, they were, they were ready to roll. That will not happen this year. That has been no, cir circled, <laughs> highlighted, and plastered all over yes. that facility ever since last year. Yes. So I, I think I think that's going to be real interesting. And I mean, that Ohio State offense is, is something to watch. And I think they get like they did last year. I think they get a little more comfortable every week, and that's kind of what's scary about it. And to your point, man, what offense is Michigan facing that's going to look like them until they face them? Nobody. I mean, Nobody. they're not going to face C any certainly not Michigan like State. Yeah. No, 
yeah. So yeah, I, it's going to be a fun one. And I think it's probably going to be the playoff before the playoff, right? Like whoever wins that is, is going to the dance. So that's going to be a fun one. The other one I'll wait to talk to you about because I really want to talk to you about UCLA too. They've been one of my fun ones to watch this year. Yeah. And I think it's such a fun matchup this weekend and it's on our pick sheet. And why don't we do that? Why don't we just, why don't we pick games and we can kind of talk storylines as we pick Let's games. Does that it. sound good? Let's All right. do it. All right. So first game of the week. Uh, this is an interesting one just because of who the second team in it that's undefeated is, which we got Syracuse going to Clemson. Clemson is a 13 and a half point favorite. Um, Syracuse obviously been one of the big surprises of college football. They have given Clemson trouble in the past in that stadium. How do you feel about this one? What are your thoughts with, with who comes away? Or I guess who covers in this one? I don't even just want to say who comes away. I feel pretty good about Clemson winning it, but that number's a little, little big. Yeah, so I I look at it, and because it's below that 14 mark, I am a little bit more excited about Clemson. Syracuse currently is the 114th ranked strength of schedule per ESPN's FPI. That is the weakest in the Power Five, uh, and they have played a grand total of one away game so far this year, and that was at UConn, so they haven't really played an away game, <laughs> and now you're asking to go into you know, Clemson's Death Valley play a run defense in Clemson. That's second nationally in yards per rush allowed. Well, Syracuse likes to run the football. And if they can't, I think that that offense melts down. I don't trust Garrett Schrader in that spot. I, I don't to be like, Hey, you want to go beat Clemson by yourself on the road? Good luck. I don't think he's that kind of player. So Syracuse is a tricky team. They they're probably going to hang around in the first half, maybe looking at some first half lines. If you look at it, probably seven, seven and a half, uh, in favor of Clemson. If you want to bet that, I I don't mind that at all. Uh, but you're right. Syracuse isn't going to win. And I'm going to take Clemson going away. Minus 13 and a half. So my co-host is taking Syracuse. I think he likes, likes the arms this year and what they've done. I think I am also going to take Clemson. I was real tepid on them at the start of the year. And I think I was still gun shy from last year. But here's the thing with them. They have grown men up and down that defensive line. And I am just a firm believer that the game is still won on the trenches. And that D line, I think, is the difference maker in that game. And to your point, Syracuse wants to run the football. And they're going to take that away. And my question is, is Syracuse's defense enough, good enough to hold Clemson's offense at bay for Syracuse to pop a touchdown here and there? I don't think they are. I think Clemson is starting to find their footing. I think DJ Ongalele is really starting to find his footing and get comfortable. And Will Shipley's look good. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking the Tigers on the home field with the noon kick. The noon kick makes me a little nervous, but I think they'll be rocking and ready to go. I think this is a statement game for them and a platform for them to kind of say, hey, we're putting the flag in the ground and we're one of the four that, that needs to be talked about. So. Yeah, absolutely. My confidence level in this game, though, is about a four out of 10. I, I yeah. could go back and forth. I, I really could just because, again, Syracuse runs a tricky defense. They're different. It's just this strange kind of scheme of a playoff of three, three, five that they can confuse, I think, DJU with. Um, but ultimately, yeah, if, if I'm betting against Clemson and, and Dabo Swinney making a national example of a team, this is the game. And 13 and a half won't nearly be enough. Yeah. All right. I think the next one's really fun because you got Ole Miss going into Death Valley. It's going to be a 3.30 kick, national TV. The Cajuns are just going to be tuned up and ready to go, and I can't wait to watch that environment. 
Ole Miss undefeated. The lane train is rolling uh, down the tracks. And LSU home favorite here, which I don't know if this is some juice coming off the big win over Florida last week or if people are a little bit gun-shy on Ole Miss because of their first half against Vandy. You know, I, I don't know where the line is out on that, but what are your thoughts on this one? Well, the, the number worries me. The, the fact that LSU is favored does worry me a bit. Now, LSU's hang, still hanging around 25th, 26th, 27th in those kind of SP plus FPI power ratings. Um, but I'm taking Ole Miss in this game. I'll take them plus a point and a half. If that's what we're doing, but I would take them to win outright. Um, I think that they're going to go in there and run the ball all over LSU. Now, if you look at LSU's numbers against the run, they're okay, but they have played Southern U, which is an FCS team. They played Mississippi State, which has the lowest run rate in the FBS. New Mexico, who has the lowest ranked power or offense per the SP Plus. And Auburn, who is a complete train wreck at this point in time. Um, in their last two games, they played Tennessee and Florida. They gave up 200 rush yards apiece. So I'm going to take Ole Miss to go in there, be able to run the ball. Zach Evans, Ulysses Bentley, and uh, they have a terrific freshman who uh, 247 outlined as, as one of their all freshman backs. Um, I think they're going to go in there, run the ball all over them. I'm still not a believer in LSU. I, I'm just not. I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, and, you know, it's going to take some time under Brian Kelly to kind of develop their new identity. Um, but I just I don't trust them. And I, and I I love LSU. I just said it was one of my favorite spots. LSU, you know, LSU Tiger Stadium at, at 3.30 in the afternoon is or 2.30 local does not scare me like it would if this if was, was a prime time 7 p.m. Yeah. kickoff, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, my co-host is taking Ole Miss as well, and I am going to as well. I like what they've got going on this year. I think, you know, Lane to me is one of the more compelling figures in all of college football just because he has – He's had a roller coaster ride of a career, and we've all had a front row seat watching it. And what I love about him as he has grown is he didn't hide from it. You know, he makes light of it, and it's great. I think he's one of the, the better characters in the game right now. And I think he's got these kids bought in, and boy, I think that town loves him. And so it, they they feel right. I thought the way they played against Kentucky was where I started to go, oh, this is not like lanes old miss from before where they're just gonna drop one when they play a hard-nosed football team like they're all right so that was kind of a, a big one for me because kentucky's gonna punch you in the mouth and for a lane kiffin old miss team to take that and dish it right back that was that was a big statement for me so yeah i, I like them and i'm with you I, I think they win this game straight up it's lunchtime at tim hortons and we're serving up a special deal just for you our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. So I love him as a, as a dog. So yeah, I'm taking him as well. Okay. Yeah. This I, next... I'm not a huge believer in. I'm sorry, I, I'm not a huge believer in Jackson Dart at all. But the thing is, is they haven't needed him to do anything because they're just like, "Hey, here you go, running backs, go right. win us the game." And they do, even if they get off to the slow starts. So this next game is probably my favorite game of the day, and it's Chip Kelly's UCLA going Gene to play his old the Oregon Ducks. Oregon has been resurgent since the dogs beat the brakes off of them in the opener. Um, they are a five and a half point favorite, which I got to tell you, boy, I, this is probably my favorite game of the week. Um, but who do you like in this one? Uh, I like Oregon in this one because it's a home environment. 
uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is putting on uh, honestly a Heisman conversation worthy year so far. He is up there in the odds board. I think he's down to like 18 to one. Um, but road games that DTR has played since the start of 2021, the opponents have combined for a 0.240 win percentage. So he hasn't gone on the road and played a quality opponent. And in 2020, there were no fans. So he hasn't gone on the road and played in an environment against a good football team since at least 2019. Uh, Okay. That worries me a lot. Even if he's very good, Otson is one of the premier environments in college football. And they're going to be disruptive, especially with Chip Kelly coming back into town for only the second time since he's left there. Um, two great offensive lines, just terrific. They're they're fifth in uh, Oregon's fifth and UCLA's eighth in uh, line yards generated this year. Uh, it's it's going to be a brawl. This game is going to be physical. It's going to be tough. Um, I think both teams are going to be able to move the football. They're pretty evenly matched, which means I'm going to lean Oregon uh, in the points since it's under uh, seven here. My co-host is also taking the Ducks. We've he and I have talked a lot on the show that we're we're big Oregon Ducks fans now because the better Oregon plays, the better it is for us. <laughs> so so we love that. Um, I am going to go against both of you. I'm going to take the Bruins, and this is more of a heart pick. I have just really enjoyed them this year, just because I do think it's a fun story. You know, Chip Kelly. People forget. You know, I, I remember watching it with my own two eyes when he was at Oregon, and. It was fun and awesome, and he has kind of had to have rise like the Phoenix given his football journey through the NFL and everything. And it's been fun to watch that offense kind of produce like we were used to seeing these Chip Kelly offenses produce. And the one thing I do love, too, for the road team is it's twelve thirty local. So you're not giving the home fan base a ton of time to get juiced up, which I always like. Um, but, yeah, this is one of these where I think Oregon's going to win the football game. I just think it's going to be tight. So I'm going to, I'm going to take UCLA in this one. And again, this is more of a, a hard one. Plus I've picked them four times this year and I haven't lost. So I feel like it's bad juju for me to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate so, it. I don't hate it at know. all. Ab- absolutely. All right. So the next one is, is interesting for a lot of reasons. You got Hookham going in to Stillwater to play Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state. I mean, it looked like all night long, they were going to knock TCU off their perch last weekend. And it just didn't happen. Horn frogs were resilient and came out with the win, but they have the home field, Texas six and a half point road favorite in this one. Um, what do you, what do you think about this ball game? It's six and a half. And that is a grown number. It actually opened closer to Oklahoma state and rose toward Texas. I think that's because Spencer Sanders health is in question. Um, he was questionable going into the TCU game, played that whole game, played admirably. Um, but again, didn't get any healthier playing that game. So I think the line movement comes in the question, whether Spencer Sanders plays, if he does play, um, I think I like Oklahoma state, but he's still questionable. Texas is explosive. Is a tough one because Stillwater is a very difficult place to play. The way Boone Pickens Stadium is set up, it's a horseshoe. All of the suites are around the top in a completely even kind of level. And then they back their basketball arena up right into the other end zone. That trap sound in there is a very, very loud place. And Texas is the hunted. I don't care if they're five and seven, if they're 12 and oh, I don't care what, if they're 0 and 12, they are the hunted in the Big 12. So Oklahoma State is going to show up for this game. They're going to be loud. They're going to be disruptive. But if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, Mike Gundy's son is the quarterback. And yeah. I'm worried about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Texas and the points on the road. I don't love it. I don't feel good about it. I am not putting actual U.S. currency on that. But I'm just going to say 
if Spencer Sanders isn't playing or isn't playing 100%, I feel really good about Texas going away. If he does play, I'm a little less confident. So my co-host James is taking Oklahoma State. He's going to take the pokes at home. Man, this is this was probably toughest one of the week for me to pick just because I think Texas is an interesting spot. I think they are trying to reestablish themselves as the Texas that everybody expects. You know, it's been Texas is back for 10 years and they haven't been back. And I think they're fighting that. You know, I think they fight that narrative. I think they fight that feeling. And, you know, there's a lot of what ifs about this season so far. If Quinn Ewers has been healthy the whole year, maybe they hold on to beat Alabama. Maybe their trajectory looks different. But they've got plenty of talent. And I do think this group seems to be buying into Sark. And, man, I love what Sark does offensively. I love the way he calls a football game. Um, oh, man, but, gosh, I, I, I love Boone Pickens Stadium. Have you been there? Yes, I have. It is wonderful. It's so let wonderful. me ask you this. On TV, it looks like they are directly on the sidelines. Like, it just looks like there is no breathing room at all. I mean, yeah, is that how it actually is? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're right on top of the action. And, and the way that they take advantage of that is they put their students section in the one end zone, uh, the, the closed end zone. And they have a group of students called the paddle people who sit there with paddles and they bang on these pads that, I mean, they have to put padding on their walls because they're so close to the end zone and they just bang rhythmically and it's disruptive. I mean, the, the definition it's, it's probably the most disruptive stadium that folks don't really think about. It's an incredible, incredible environment. Yeah, man. I, I think I'm going to go with Garth Brooks and Bill Salsalamater, the Pokes, to cover the number. I do think Texas is going to win the football game, but I'm going to take the Pokes, although, I, man, it, it always makes you nervous when there's questions about whether the starting quarterback is going to play or not. Ooh, I, I, my co-host will tell you I do not like that. I, I generally pick games based on what I think the quarterback will do. <laughs> yeah. So that does make me a little nervous, but I'm going to roll with it. That's just what my gut's telling me at this moment in time. So same with you. I will not put any dollars on that, <laughs> but but that's the pick I'm going to make. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. The next one I, I put on the list, number one, because the sexiness of the slate this week wasn't premier. Let's put it that way. But I do think Tulane's a fun team this year. Uh, they weren't a team that I was thinking about uh, in the offseason. They weren't a team that I heard people talking about on my TV in the offseason. So it's been cool to see them jump off to this start. Plus, Tulane, one of the uh, former members of the STC. So we'll give them a little shine here today. Um, and Memphis, I always feel like, is, is fun to watch. They're, they're always good to have in a game where you're betting a number. So – Tulane six and a half point home favorite. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, Tulane is, is great. And that Kansas State loss from earlier in the season is looking a lot less bad right now, especially, you know, with a ranking in front of Tulane. They're 25th now. Uh, very good team with a very good quarterback. Michael Pratt is 16th in passer efficiency this season. That is ahead of Caleb Williams and Will Rogers. Um, he's having a heck of a year. Now, when I look at this, though, and it's kind of a game where I'm like, oh, it could go either way. It's a tight point spread. Um, I tend to default to this aggregate system power ratings that I use to judge some of these games. Those numbers only like Tulane by five and a half at home. Um, so for that reason, I think, oh, I think I'm gonna have to go Memphis plus six and a half. I don't love that. It's not at seven. If I was betting this with actual money, um, I would advise to wait till kickoff to see if it does hit that seven mark. Um, because Tulane is pretty good. It might see some action 
but because I'm not given that luxury, I will take Memphis six and a half and not feel very good about it. <laughs> yeah. James is going to take Tulane. I think he's going to roll with the green wave here. Oh, I'm a little snake bit on this. Cause I've taken Tulane twice and I've got burnt both times. So uh, I'm trying not to let that cloud my judgment, but my gut initially was to take them, and I'm going to stick with that because I've been bad about sticking to my gut this year, and it's not been going well for me. <laughs> uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with them. I, I'm going to say they ride the wave, but, boy, this is another one where I don't feel good about it at all. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think this is a fun game. I, Memphis is, is just, I feel like, a compelling team to watch always, plus the uniforms kick ass too, which is yes, not a do. bad thing. Yeah, yeah so, um, all right. This next one I think is fun too. You got Boise State who's been playing really good football, going to play Air Force, which always a tough team to play. Air Force three and a half point home favorite. Uh, Boise State currently tops in the conference. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, Boise State is tops in the conference, but they're kind of a mess. Their uh, starting quarterback uh, moved on because the offensive coordinator was fired. They can't really score. Um, and Air Force, their offense is kind of a, a hard offense to get a read on. You know, sometimes you look at it and you're like, they run the triple option. They're only moving the ball about five and a half yards of play. Um, it's efficient and it's effective, but it's not one that usually leads to 40 or more points until you say that. And then they go off for 49 and destroy a team. So <laughs> I'm not entirely, uh, I, I, I'm not bought in on saying that Air Force won't be able to score a ton of points, especially against Boise's defense. That is one of the best in the country. Um, but I'm going to fade dysfunction. Uh, they're playing at altitude, the second highest uh, stadium in the country behind Wyoming. Um, I'm I'm going to lean Air Force. Air Force actually has, uh, if you take the home field advantage, not just the two and a half points or 2.1 points or what you subscribe by, uh, Air Force actually has the highest cover rate in the country in the past five years at home. So I'm going to take Air Force minus three and a half because of that reason. So my co-host James is going to take the Broncos on the road. I am with you. I am going with Air Force. Uh, I love to pick an academy, so I'll put that out there. I'm a little biased on that. But I love the fact that because of the way their offense is situated, because they're going to have the home field, they kind of have the ability to control clock and limit opportunities for Boise State's offense. And I don't know, man, to your point, I think that's a really tough place to play and an underrated tough place to play. That's not a place you yes. hear people say, oh, boy, I don't, don't want to go play at Air Force. But every time I watch them on TV, it's electric in there. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful setting. Like, I don't know. I, I love that home field. And, and I, this is one of the games I liked a lot this week. So I, I am also on Air Force this week. Yeah, if, uh, if I had a cause for pause in that it's that in low total games points become way, way more valuable. And the fact that it's on the wrong side of three for, uh, for, for picking air force, that does give me at least a reason for hesitation. Um, but I'm still sticking, sticking with my proverbial guns in air force. Have you, uh, have you been to that stadium? That is one of the, uh, 23 that I have not been to not even. Okay. Visit. I, have you last been time I was, yeah. Have you been to any of the academies? Yeah, I, I've been to Navy. Um, tried to go to Army uh, about a month ago, but you have to go wait in this like DMV-like setting, and the wait was about an hour and a half, uh, and I didn't have an hour and a half to sit around and wait. So unfortunately, I've only been to yeah. one of the three. Um, but yeah, I, I love Colorado Springs. I go there pretty frequently, so I, I will make a trip there specifically for the Air Force game. 
that's on my list, man. Colorado Springs is on my list. I've been to I've been to Annapolis. I love Annapolis. That stadium's cool. And then Army, I haven't been to a game there, but I've been to their stadium. I played in the uh, American Legion Regional Finals, and it was in Newburgh, New York. Yeah. yeah, and so the uh, the the opening ceremonies were at the Officers Club at West Point, and so they gave us a tour of the campus afterwards. And I thought this is one of the coolest campuses I have ever yes. been on. Yeah. It's, it's a living incredible. museum. It is. It was, yeah, awesome. it was plus that perch on top of the Hudson, man. It's just, mm-hmm. it's something else. Unbeatable. So, yeah. It's great. Okay. Next one on the list. Uh, this is, I think more compelling because of what happened to both of them last weekend. You got both of them coming off disappointing losses, Mississippi state and um, the Mike Leach cowbell pirate ship heading into Tuscaloosa to play the Crimson Tide, who are going to be smartened this week after uh, enduring the loss in Knoxville last weekend. 20 and a half points is what I had when I made the sheet. That's a big number, brother. <laughs> who do you like in that one? Uh, that's a big number. I'm not even going to pull any numbers to justify this. I'm taking Alabama going away because I personally would not want to be on this Mississippi State team right now. Going into Tuscaloosa, pissed off Alabama, Nick Saban needing to re put his name on the national on the national scale this could be an absolute bloodbath and i think it will be so i'm gonna take alabama going away yeah my co-host loves 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 mike leach so he rarely if ever picks against the pirate ship so he has taken uh the bulldogs from the west i'm with you i'm going to take the tide i just think uh, they could be playing uh, the Detroit Lions this weekend, and I would take them at this number. I think they are just going to take out all of their frustrations. Now, I will say I had the same rationale when they played Texas A&M, <laughs> and that didn't work out so well for me. But I just feel like this is a little bit different. I don't think that I don't think that from what I've seen from Mississippi State, they are going to be able to do what they need to do to stay in the game with Alabama. I just don't think they have the horses to run and gun like Tennessee did last week. And that's their only chance is to do that. I don't think that's going to happen. And I also think they're the type team that once they get down, and I think we saw this when they played Kentucky, when they played uh, LSU and lost both those games, they do not play well from behind. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is Alabama all, all day long. Okay, the next one, again, interesting, because I, I, I just don't know who these teams are because of what we've seen so far. I, I just don't know who they are. And so that's why I think this game is compelling. You got Minnesota, P.J. Fleck and row the boat, heading to Penn State. Penn State got absolutely bludgeoned last week in Ann Arbor. Penn State, four-and-a-half-point home favorite. It will be a night game. I have not read. Don't know. Is it a whiteout? Do you know that or not? I don't know. It, if- it, it is a whiteout, and I will be there. Oh, oh, this gives us a little extra spice. I'm here for that. Okay, <laughs> what, what do you think about this one? Uh, the under, <laughs> about 44-and-a-half <laughs> points. That, that's my bet. Um, but choosing on these two sides, uh, they're two really inefficient teams. Uh, their offenses are kind of tough to watch at times, especially when Tanner Morgan's hurt. Tanner Morgan is hurt. He may not play in this game at all. And Mo Ibrahim is also not running at hundred percent. When those two players are healthy, this Minnesota team is a little bit different, but you also have to look at who they beat versus who they've lost to. Uh, they've had, they've through the first four weeks of the year, they had the easiest schedule in the entire country. Um, and that was only turned around by playing um, oh, Michigan State, who's really trashed. So I don't think that they're a good football team because they played uh, Illinois and they got, crushed and uh, Purdue and their offense got crushed. So I think walking into Penn state against 
mind you, they didn't show it against Michigan, but a good defense. I think Minnesota is going to struggle to run, uh, move the ball. Penn State, though, you, you think that this whiteout, it, because of the, uh, the high-profile Ohio State upset that they had in 2016, that Penn State whiteouts are like an impossible environment to play in. And that's true, but Penn State's only 7-6 and six in those whiteout games since they started the tradition. So it's not this end-all, be-all, Penn State will win this game. And that's part of a product of it usually being their biggest game of the year against the Ohio State right. and Michigans, who James Franklin is notoriously terrible against. So a little bit of context on those numbers. But I'm going to take Penn State. I don't like spreads that are in this dead zone between three and seven. So when we're talking four and a half points, five and a half points, there's really no value. So if anybody out there is for whatever reason, listening to my advice to bet this game, <laughs> wait until kickoff because it's not going to move through a, a number that's going to change the win probability all that often. So the difference between four and a half, five and a half is not that big. So I would wait as long as I can, but I'm probably going to take Penn state in the points. So my coach is taking Minnesota and normally he would tell you if he was here that I would also take Minnesota because I love me some PJ Fleck. I'm row the boat all day. However, I don't think they're real this year at all. I've watched them enough. And that Illinois game last weekend was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. Illinois controlled that game start to finish. I mean, that game was never in question. It was fighting Illini all the way. And I do think that's a whole nother conversation, but I do think Brett Bielema is a great fit there. I think that's a cultural fit. I think he can recruit there. And I think it's good for the Big Ten when Illinois is good at football. I just do. I mean, I grew up in the 90s when they had big-time players that went and played in the NFL. So, like, I like it when Illinois is good. So, yeah, I say all that to say I'm taking Penn State, and it's less about, you know, kicking the less ugly pumpkin at the patch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's all I'm doing here. I, I don't really feel great about it one way or the other. Um, also, I, I need to rewind here. I think I looked at the sheet wrong here. I think I, I looked at checks wrong. My co-host is taking Air Force, so he's on Air Force as well. I switched oh, okay. that up. I had, the, right. I had to check in the wrong place there. I don't want to short him on. So, <laughs> okay. Next game on the list is Texas A&M going to Williams Bryce to play Coach Beamer's South Carolina Gamecocks, and A&M is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite there. Before we pick, I'm going to tell you my favorite Williams Bryce fact, and that is if you've ever seen the movie The Program, in my opinion, the greatest college football movie of all time, it was filmed at Williams Bryce Stadium. So I that do is like Wolf, that. That is Wolf Den Stadium. So that, that's the useless knowledge you didn't need, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it might change my pick knowing that now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> South Carolina is better than we think. They're not really in conversations. They're not winning a ton of games, but they're a better football team than maybe we're giving them credit for on a weekly basis. Um, this could be a nice trap game situation for Texas A&M to be able to go into Columbia, which is, I, I left it off my list of favorite college towns, but it is up there. I really do enjoy Columbia. Um, you know, Texas A&M, I'm, I'm, I'm totally stealing this from, from preview magazine, from the Athlon sports preview magazine, where they go through and they ask assistant anonymous assistant coaches about the teams and Texas A&M's was if it's not Alabama, if it's not their national championship, this team does not show up to play. South Carolina is not their national championship. You know, you can yeah. look at their splits and how they play against you know, Alabama versus how they played against Mississippi State. That Those are two different teams putting forth two different types of efforts. Um, and I, it's probably not wise to gamble on projecting effort, but I don't think Texas A&M is going to put a whole lot of effort into this. Now that said, 
two and a half points is under a field goal. And that's, I can't pick South Carolina in that because if you're picking South Carolina in the points, you may as well just pick them to win outright. And I don't think that happens. So I am going to take Texas A&M minus two and a half and kind of a backwards logic type of thing specifically because of that number. Yeah. James is going to take the Aggies as well. And I think I am too. I will say this. I don't trust Texas A&M as far as I could throw them. Um, I am on record on our show that I think Jimbo is one of the top five most overrated coaches in all of America. Um, I, I don't understand what the hoopla is. And, you know, the, the thing is, he's supposed to be this big developer of quarterbacks, right? And he's been at A&M. And has he really developed a quarterback? I mean, he had no. to have Kellen Mond in the system for four full years before Kellen Mond did things that people thought he could do as a freshman. So I don't know, man. I just, they are so tough to get behind. And that's a great point. I had not read that quote, but that's a that's exactly right. I mean, if it's not Alabama or, you know, if they have not made it the biggest deal on the planet, they just come out so flat. And, dude, it's williams Bryce at night. Like, that place is going to be popping. So, I don't know. The, the tough part is, at the end of the day, I, I always try to come back to this. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. And I just don't know if South Carolina offensively has the Jimmy's and Joe's for me to get behind right now. I think they're going that way. I think Coach Beamer's a nice fit there. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if they got it. So I'm with you. I think with that number, I'm going to take AM. If it was a little higher, I'd roll South Carolina as a home dog, but that just doesn't seem like enough. So I'm with y'all. Right. If you spotted me three or three and a half points, I, I would probably take South Carolina, but not, yeah. not on this side of three. Yeah. All right. Last game of the weekend that we're going to take K State, EMA. Heading down to play the Horn Frogs, I would say again one of the surprises of the young season. That offense has been incredibly fun to watch. Um, they are a three and a half point home favorite. What do you think about that one? Uh, I'm done fading TCU. I, I I actually write for them on the side. Well, I, I write for their Sports Illustrated affiliate, Fan Nation Killer Frogs. Shout out uh, on the side. They're a great group of folks. Uh, some some of my good friends that I write with there, um, and. I, I'm done fading TCU. I, I faded them against Oklahoma. That worked out really poorly. I faded them against Oklahoma State. That didn't go so well either. Um, and, you know, they, they're they the most improved team in the country, I believe. Maybe behind Kansas. I want to see how Kansas finishes out first. Uh, and Max Duggan is probably the most improved player in the entire country because he was a liability coming into this season. And now he's a star. So I'm going to take TCU in the points. Uh, I think the hesitation in here comes in the fact that Kansas State can defend the pass pretty well. Uh, it just overall has a good defense. But, you know, Adrian Martinez is for passing touchdowns this year. That's not going to cut it against this kind of caliber of TCU offense. Yeah, my co-host is taking the Horn Frogs, and I am too. I, I just think their offense is a lot of fun, man. And to your point, if they if Kansas State is getting in with a track meet with somebody, they're not going to be on top of the podium when it's all said and done. So I, I love TCU, man. My I got three siblings that are KU grads, so we were tuned in for every play of the KU-TCU game. And I think if Daniels doesn't get hurt, man, that game – I mean, it was fun anyways, but that kid has had such a fun year, and it's been a shame that he got hurt. But I think that would have been just a track meet to the end. And it, I mean, it still was, but we just would have had different flavor. But I was so impressed with them and how quick they are on the edge. And, like, they just have so many playmakers – and dude, Dead Max Duggan's real and he's tough. Like, yeah, he is. He's nails, man. So I'm with you. I, I like them. I've enjoyed 
putting numbers on them this year. Like I, they've just been, they've been a fun team to bet with. So I'm with you. I'm staying with them too. So, well, that's the slate brother. I feel good about your picks. I do too. Well, I'm either going to do really well or your co-host is going to do really well because we picked opposite in like 75% of these. So uh, selfishly, I hope that I did well and I hope that he's wrong, but I don't, we'll see. We're probably going to split some here. Yeah. Well, so this is the good thing. If you do well and you win the next time we have you on, you can have the 10 pounds of red title belt perched up right there behind you. And then you won't need any Georgia spot. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Exactly right. Well, look, Brett, before we let you go, tell all of our listeners how they can follow you and support you and everything that you're doing. Yes, it's Road to CFB. That is the handle on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find my website at Road to CFB. I'm currently posting all of my stories with Killer Frogs. They're a SITCU affiliate. That's killerfrogs.com. You can find that at. Um, go ahead and follow me on any of there. And if anybody is out on the road, any games I'm going to be at, I love meeting people out there. So hit me up, let me know. Uh, and I've really appreciated being on the show. Yeah, man, we enjoyed having you, Brett. We'll definitely keep having you back in the future because this was a lot of fun. And we'll post all of that in the show notes so our listeners can go check all that out and we'll continue to support you. And we're serious, brother. Tell us whenever you want to come to Athens and we'll make a point to be there. We'll make a weekend out of it and uh, live it upright. We'll, we'll head downtown. We'll hit the arch. We'll do North Campus. And then between the hedges, we'll have as good a time as, as one can have. Yes, sir. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, Brett. We appreciate it, brother. Hey, George is better now. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.